Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real, real. Only gon' recognize, still, still. I reckon I will. Like we always do with this time. I go for mine. I get to shine. Now throw your hands up in the sky. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of the KIRP Radio Show. Uh, another beautiful evening, man. Another beautiful Sunday, 10-21-2012 of this great election year. And there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of people that got to be in a lot of places, and I am one of them, let me tell you. Just jumped off Interstate 40, 
trying my best to get it here in time so I could uh, get the show going on. And uh, you know what? I do a lot, man, for you guys. So shout out to everybody out there who do a lot for me, who listens to the show every single Sunday and always come through to show us a little bit of love on the KRP radio show. You guys make us the number one black conservative radio show, talk radio, southeastern United States with over 5.6 million listeners out there, man. And you guys know that you are B.I.G. in my book, and I definitely appreciate all you guys out there for showing us a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of love. The love is definitely felt, man. As I look at my email right now, trying my best to get this new equipment up and a new server, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. And I like the look, man. I like the feel of it, but, you know, sometimes new isn't always the best. Sometimes I like to – I'm old school. I like to keep the old. I like the old to – Stay in place. The old is dependable. So all you old school folks out there who, who still working on ADATs, that's a little bit of uh, uh, studio humor for you folks out there. If you know what an ADAT is or, or if you're still working on reels or anybody out there still using the VCR, shout out to my VCR users. I don't know how you're using the VCR. I don't know how you care about a VCR today, but, you know, it is what it is. I got a, I got a collection of VHS tapes in here that I like to dig into sometimes. Need to get that stuff changed over as soon as possible. But anyway, uh, last week, crazy show, crazy, crazy good show. The ratings came in like the, like, uh, I don't know, the ratings came in by the boatload, man. I got a lot of comments. Uh, there was a lot of conversation about last week's show. A lot of people having a lot of great things to say. And as always, we got people who's talking the negative, negative talk. You know, always got something to blog about, always got something to say, always got a comment. But I love it, man, you know. Whatever you got to say, you guys know how to reach, man. K-I-R-P radio at gmail.com. Uh, that's Nicole. That's John, Nikki. There's a whole host of folks on there who answers that email. As I always say, make sure that you got a topic in the subject line. Make sure you got a topic there. We try our best, folks, to answer everybody out there. But I've been getting email from people who have been saying that uh, – well, you never respond to me. I guess you don't agree with what I'm talking about or you don't believe like I believe. That's not it, folks. That's definitely not it. Hit me up on Facebook, man. And, and speaking of that, I'll give you guys a Facebook call tag. It's uh, KIRP Radio, uh, Facebook.com backslash KIRP Radio. And, uh, you know, look for us out there, man. Excuse me. I'm sorry. My bad. K-I-R-P Radio Show. I don't even know what my own stuff is. Look for us out there, man. There's several different ways to contact us and share your information and, you know, share the, ref the you know, to share the conversations that we're having with other folks out there and the topics topics that we're having on the show. You know, it is what it is, man. But um, I'm excited. That's why I'm rushing. If you got, you got anybody who listened to the show before, you know that sometimes I get ahead of myself and I get to talking fast. I'm going to be talking fast. There's things that you might miss. And, you know, it's not that I'm talking fast. You're just listening slow. That's that pimp lingo. That's that Chicago stuff. That's Barack Obama team, all the pimps. Shout out to all the pimps out there in Chi-Town. Anyway, folks, let me get on, man. Let me tell you guys what we got for you this afternoon, this evening, for some of you folks out there this night. Um, it is 8 p.m. on the East Coast, but, you know, I got a lot of people on the West Coast listening to the show. Shout out to all my West Coast listeners out there, all my Burbank people, all my San Diego people, all my people down south in Florida. Definitely B.I.G. shout out to you. We got Providence. Uh, we got a bunch of colleges out there. I'll get some shout outs to that later as we get them up, and I'll try my best to read them off. But, you know, B.I.G. shout out to all you guys out there. But tonight, folks, tonight we got something a little bit special. And uh, the reason I think it's special is because I know that there's a movie out there that flew over a lot of folks' heads. 
and and, and I know it did. And and the, the title of the movie is called Fear of a Black Republican. And and there's a question in that movie, and and that's what we bring into tonight's into the forefront of tonight. And we ask the question: uh, Does the Republican Party, and this is directly from the movie, uh, does the Republican Party really want more black Republicans? That's the ultimate question. That's a question that I ask. I, I also engage. You guys know I'm, I'm politically active. I'm out there. I'm on the front lines. I'm on the back lines. I'm behind the scenes. I do more and commit more than I than I really should and then I really can honor a lot of the times, but I bust my butt to try to make those commitments. I think everybody knows that. That goes without saying because I really care about the political landscape of this country and the way that we're headed and definitely speaking for the black community because there's a lot of lies and there's a lot of old rhetoric, a lot of different tales, and I call them folk tales, and it's just a, a lot of misinformation that I know being from the inner city, being from the rural area, the country area, all of that, you know, being from the inner city of, of, of uh, some of the larger cities and some of the smaller cities that I've lived in that you've ever seen, you know, I understand that there's a lot of misinformation out there, and there's also a lot of people who are who are uh, traditionally involved with politics, not caring what what the politi- what the political affiliates or the political representatives are actually doing in the community, but only supporting these different parties because their mama did or their pop did or whoever, you know, because a celebrity does. And, you know, that's what they do in politics, man. They incite celebrities. They, you know, they champion these celebrities and they bring them along and they throw them in front of your face and they shake hands with them and they kick it. They take pictures and, and it's somebody that you love, and now all of a sudden you look at a, a, a type like, a, let's say, a Michael Jordan, you know, not defaming that man's names, but you look at Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan would take a picture with someone like anybody but Mitt Romney, all of a sudden everybody would be for that person that Michael Jordan took pictures with. At least the basketball community would look at that person a little bit different just because Michael Jack, Michael Jordan excuse me, took a picture with that person. So, you know, that's totally wrong. I think that we got to get away from things like that. We got to start looking at looking at the information. We have to start taking our asses down to the state house, sitting on the floor in the back behind the scenes and listening to some of these legis- these legislators legislate. Understand what's going on with these bills and actually reading these bills, taking them back to our communities, having an event uh, I don't care if you go to a community center. I don't care if you make flyers with bullet points and start putting this information out to people who don't attend these meetings and who don't care to go to the state house and who could care less about politics. Because the thing is, this stuff involves us all. This stuff matters for us all. It matters to the forefront. It matters to the homes. It matters to our communities. So what we're going to do tonight, we're going to bring Kevin Williams on from uh, Fear of a Black Republican, the producer, director, and editor. He's going to come on and he's going to talk about this movie talk about how he made this movie some of the interactions that he had i believe it's a wonderful story and i would love to hear the behind the scenes that's why we bring it to you but right now we got to take one commercial and when we come back we're going to bring charlotte from stretchingyourbudget.com you guys know every quarter after she comes on and she does her budget segment she tells you guys how she tells everyone how to live a little bit more frugal how to save a couple dollars how to coupon you know that's what we do on krp radio we are for the people we are by the people we do what we do to help everybody out there you guys stay tuned we'll be right back in just after one commercial i mean after 30 seconds we're going to come back and we're going to bring charlotte on the air and she's going to tell you guys how to save a little 
little bit more money. You're listening to the KIRP Radio Show, baby. 619-638-8559 is the number. www.kirp radio show. If you got to make a comment, please hit number one, and we'll try to get you on the queue as soon as possible. You listen to the number one black talk conservative radio show, Southeast of the United States. 5.6 million, baby. Be right back. I believe you can tell a lot about our governor and lieutenant governor by the way they lead our state. We have great challenges facing us and need strong, courageous, visionary leadership to see us through. I'm Dan Forrest, conservative candidate for North Carolina lieutenant governor. As an architect, senior partner, and office president of the state's largest design firm, I was accustomed to solving complex problems for my clients. Architects are creative problem solvers, and that's what we need more of in Raleigh. And we need more business leaders, not more politicians. Over the past 10 months, I've visited the majority of the counties in North Carolina multiple times. I've traveled over 80,000 miles, listened to thousands of North Carolinians share their solutions to the challenges we face. Did you know North Carolina ranks 41st in the nation in K-12 education, 36th in graduation rate, 43rd in unemployment, 38th in business tax climate, 42nd in illegal immigration? This is just not acceptable. I believe it's time to look at the failed policies of our current governor and lieutenant governor and demand real leadership for North Carolina. As your next lieutenant governor, I will tackle these issues head on and provide the strong, courageous, visionary leadership needed to lead our state through these challenging times. Over the next few months, I'll be sharing solutions to these challenges, and I hope you will take the time to share them with your friends and family and give me your feedback. I believe we can turn America around. And I believe we should start right here in North Carolina. I'm Dan Forrest, conservative candidate for North Carolina Lieutenant Governor, and I ask for your support. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the KIRP radio show, baby. This is love in the midnight hour. Let me stop. I wish I was a, sometimes I wish I was a, uh, one of those like late night um, love song DJs or VJs or disc jockeys or whatever you call it. Have you guys ever, do you still listen to those late night? I don't know if people really listen to the radio anymore, but remember they would get like real close up to the mic and uh, they try to sound all sexy. They say, you know what, this is a love hour and uh I'm taking dedications out there. This goes to Charlotte from stretchingyourbudget.com, and we love what you do. Charlotte, how are you? Good, how are you? <laughs> that reminds me of that Delilah. Have you ever heard Delilah on 99.5? Oh, That's man. local here, but <laughs> yeah. she we all that have. late night. <laughs> That's when we call in, like we when we were in high school, we call in and say, I want to dedicate this to uh, the person who is asleep right now, not listening to this show. And, you know, <laughs> they would never hear the dedication. You know, you go to school the next day embarrassed, thinking that they heard it, and they didn't. I did that. I don't know if anybody else did that, but I did. I take it you I didn't do that. I did 
No. So, okay, I was all alone. See, anyway, Charlotte, what's up? What's up? Nothing much. I know that uh, Thanksgiving is drawing near, and I know first we have, you know, Halloween, and we did talk about that last week. But um, right off the bat, because I don't know what you have for us this week, but I just want to ask you, are there any Thanksgiving deals out there right now? I mean, is there any way I can go ahead and get my turkey? Or, or do you even... Is that even the, the right thing to do right now, or should I just wait and get the turkey? Yeah, I, you're going to see turkeys going on sale probably in about three weeks, so just be a little bit more patient. But, yeah, you can definitely, you want to get your turkeys ahead of time. I mean, we always get our turkey, um, like, 1st of November usually, so. Yeah. Yep, yep. You'll find some really good deals, but they haven't come out yet. Usually they try to get past Halloween, and then you'll start seeing all the stuff for Thanksgiving going, so. Ah, okay. Well, I mean, that's cool, because, you know, we want to, you know, I have an organization called the Loving Father Society. Uh, I love being a black father. That's our nonprofit. Shout out to Rashad and Contessa Woods uh, from A Travel Beyond. That's my brother. That's my partner in that, and Kevin Daniels, uh, the two VPs of the company who actually make the company go or the nonprofit go. But um, we want to get some some. We want to do something special this year. I think we're going to do a canned food drive, and uh, we're probably going to wash cars. Who knows what we're going to do for this canned food? But we're going to do something extraordinary to be able to help other people. So I would just, I'm just wondering, you know, is there any way that we could get support in that? Is there anything that we can do uh, outside of what we normally do in in soliciting canned food from from different organizations or different grocery lines or stores? Um, I mean, you know, those are definitely great ways. Um, your local grocery stores are typically always very willing to help with, you know, charitable organizations around the holiday season. Um, but, I, you know, listeners that are local, you can definitely um, help by donating to it. But, I mean, I, I'm a huge advocate for, um, you know, like giving food during Thanksgiving and Christmas for families that don't normally have it. We do something in our church as well, but... Um, I will constantly be posting, you know, deals of items that are on sale that you can pick up that week and donate. Mm -hmm. So um, you can be checking our website for things like that. But, you know, as far as, um, you know, trying to gain support outside of just people supporting you by providing food, you know, I'm not very familiar with um, as far as a large scale. But, um, yeah, definitely there's always... um, tons of deals during the holiday season. So if everybody just gives, you know, a few cans here and there, that all adds up. And so, you know, people just don't think about how a small little, you know, donation can go such a long way. But Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll, we'll definitely support you. So if you send me information on that, I'll be glad to. You got it as you always list, do. Right? Yeah, you, you, <laughs> yep. you always help, though. You you always help. You guys always come out, and I definitely appreciate that. But anyway, folks, I know you guys are sick of hearing me for a moment. So, Charlotte, let the folks know what you have for us this week. Well, um, I just was going to talk about Halloween money-saving tips again since there's only 10 days left. So Great. for those of you that don't celebrate, um, this can hold true in any kind of party or event you might have. So still good tips. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so, like, well, number one, and then we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, I, I think when we talked about it, but, um, you know, I am a huge Pinterest fan, uh, we, 
but I've talked about that on here before, but if you are not familiar with it, then um, check out Pinterest.com. It's interest with a P in the front, if you don't know. Um, but there are tons of ways and ideas for you for anything. But I've really been looking for Halloween ideas because I am I've just dropped the ball for ten days of Halloween. I do not have costumes for my kids. So um I, I've really been trying to find some inspiration and Pinterest has helped. But um it's it's a great tool because it shows you how to use things that you already have on hand. So I would encourage everybody to just look around your house, whether it be for items to use for costumes or whether it be for, um, you know, decorations and that kind of thing. Um, I Just this weekend I helped a friend um, set up a table at a fall festival. And she was looking for um, some inexpensive things to make a centerpiece, just a fall centerpiece. Um, so... You know, what we did is we went outside and we found some really pretty leaves that had fallen and we scattered those around the table and then we um, found a really pretty pot that she had stuck in the cabinet and so she bought a $3 mum, stuck it in the pretty pot and um, bought a few gourds and stuff that Walmart had already, you know, in a package and that was like $3. So anyway, put... Put in, long story short, once we put that all together and the leaves that we had from outside, um, it was a six dollar centerpiece and it covered the whole table and it was really it was really pretty. So you'll just be surprised at the things that you might already have around your house that you can use without spending a ton of money. Um, and so, like I said, that holds true whether it's a Halloween party, a fall party, Christmas, whatever it might be. Just, I would just really encourage you to take a look at things that you have, um, you know, already in your home without having to spend money. So repurpose, reuse, recycle is a huge thing. Um, also, um, with Pinterest and, and that same thing, it um, really teaches you to do things by yourself without going out and, you know, hiring a decorator or hiring a caterer or whatever there's. Everything is DIY, basically, so it teaches you how to, you know, find easy recipes and you cook them yourself and um, use decorations and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, that's just kind of the the uh, path that Americans are taking, and it's kind of it's really interesting. But um, you know, it's all about doing things yourself, spending less money because the economy is, you know, still pretty in rough shape. So. Just learning to use things that you have around your house and use your hands, be handy and useful. Um, my tip number three is obviously using coupons. Um, you can save so much money with coupons, even if you don't use them on a regular basis. Just saving a few dollars here and there is more than you would have saved if you didn't use it. So um, just take that extra step, do a little research, find some coupons for the items that you're using, um, and as always, my number one rule with that is don't be brand specific. So if there's items that you are looking for, just look for the like item with a different brand that might have a coupon at that time to get you your lowest out of pocket. Um, also check out the dollar stores or um, Target has a dollar spot. Walmart now has a dollar spot section. Um they have all kinds of things. Target, I love because they are seasonal dollar sections. So, you know, right now I can find a lot of fall and Halloween items. 
during school there was a lot of back to school stuff, so it's it goes with the season, so it's fitting for what you might be looking for during that time of the season. So check the dollar spot. Um, and then lastly, my last tip is to buy items that are on sale after the holidays over and prepare for the next year. So if you go all out for Halloween, then I would suggest going to the stores the next day, getting the items that are on sale, um, and storing them up for the next year so that you don't have to spend money. And uh, a lot of times, um, I'm not sure about Halloween, but during Christmas, Dollar Tree will mark their items 50% off. Well, they're already a dollar, so that's 50, 50 cents for items. So um, just check places like that that you might not normally think, and um, hopefully that will help maximize your savings. I think that's going to help a lot of people out there. I mean, people are ready to buy candy like crazy. And uh, I'm cutting yep. my lights off so nobody will knock on the door, and then I'm going to hide outside in case somebody egg my car because I don't have any candy, and I'm going to squirt them with a water gun. I thought you were going to say you were going to buy all the candy and turn your lights off and eat the candy by yourself. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to do that a day before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing that a day before. I'm just going to eat all the candy I can eat. I mean, I'm going to get a cavity mouthful. Believe that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, you watch everybody watch your kids brush your teeth at night <laughs> so they don't get cavity. Let me ask you this though, um with with trick or treating, is there any particular candies because every year we have this thing where we got to watch out for uh it was candy apples when I was a kid, it was, you know, I, I don't know, fruit or whatever. Is there something that uh parents should be looking out for, you know, those who celebrate, you know, Halloween or who participate? Uh, is there anything that they should, you know, just stay away from, just throw it away when they see it in, in the kids' bags? Um, I honestly haven't heard of anything in a, in a really long time. Like you said, it was, you know, the candy apples and stuff. Um, but I, we just always go through our kids' candy and make sure nothing, none of the packages looks like they've been tampered with. If it's halfway open, we go ahead and throw it away because you don't ever know. Um, anything that may have been homemade, you know, if you, some neighborhoods, families make or you assume you'll have older couples who make things and put it in their bag. We just don't let our kids have any of that stuff just because you never know. Um, so just being more cautious, I think, is probably the best rule of thumb to live by. But we don't live where we live. It's more rural. We don't live in a, a heavily populated area. I mean, there's just a few houses that we take our kids to that we know the people. So, you know, just maybe be more cautious like that taking kids to an, a safe place that you're familiar with is, you know, really good, you know, rule of thumb. Because, you know, if something happens, you're like, okay, well, I went to these houses, so I know mm-hmm. people can go back and get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I but, mean, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it makes sense. You know, go where you're safe and uh, try to go yeah. out as early Don't as possible. Don't let kids run out by themselves in the neighborhoods. Yeah, it ain't 82. No. It ain't 1982 anymore, man. We, no. When I was, it, it, it was all access. We were out of there. By the time we got, we, I mean, we were so excited about Halloween. We would wear our costumes to school, like under our clothes. Yeah. So when we get home, we just ran through the door. You did homework if you had something. You just stripped. Like, then before you know it, you got your Halloween costume on. You back out the door, trick-or-treating, right next door, all up the street. And, you know, it was a beautiful thing, man. Times were different, and people seemed to be more caring and friendly you know, so I don't know. I thought it was a great thing back then. Now I'm just not so excited about it anymore. We really just don't even participate. But, hey, whatever floats your boat, folks, be safe out there. Charlotte, any shout-outs? It is 830. Um, I don't really have a shout-out, but 
I was going to say today. <laughs> today we went to see the um, Carolina Balloon Festival, the hot air balloons. That was really a cool sight to see. So anybody is um, ever in Statesville, North Carolina during this time of the year, it's, it's definitely a worth a trip if you live so nearby. You, but you actually rode in a hot air balloon today. No, we were we were right there where they took off. They like went right over our heads. It was really awesome. In. You should have jumped in. I and, wanted to. Yeah, next me. time. Next time we're gonna That's jump That's something in. I've always wanted to do. <laughs> right well, we're gonna see if we can't make that happen for Charlotte, man. She wants to ride in a hot air balloon. Somebody <laughs> out there hit me out there. I know somebody. I will write an awesome review. <laughs> see, there it is. Six one nine six three eight eight five five nine. You know her from stretchingyourbudget.com. The triad super saver herself. Charlotte is always holding us down, always showing love. And what she does, folks, she does it for you. She do it for you. Excuse me. So we love you, Charlotte. We appreciate all you do, man. We are supporters. We are fans. <laughs> and, you know, have a beautiful week. And shout out to you and your family. Thanks for coming on and doing this segment for us every single week. I appreciate it. Thank you. No, no problem. So, folks, it is 830 on the hour. And uh, what we're going to do right now, we're going to bring on this very special individual. Um, you know, it's, it's, when you look at politics and when you look at the scope of politics, um, to be a black person in America, I, I can't sugarcoat it. Just keep it real pudgy, man. I just got to call it one, call it, you know, the way I see it. To be a black person in support of someone like Mitt Romney, you know, being a Republican nominee, because let's face it, you know, I, I could sit here and say that, uh, you know, that doesn't happen as often. But if you flip the tables and, and follow what I'm saying now, if you turn the tables, there are traditionally tons of thousands of black people out there. I'm going to say millions of black people out there who support the Republican Party, no matter who's the who the candidate is no matter about the candidate it's just about the party and i could also turn the tables back again and say there are th millions of white folks out there who support the republican party just because of the party and not the candidate but when you get someone less like let, let's look at what just happened in these past couple of weeks when you get someone like a Stacy Dash who comes out now I don't know if you ask me I'm gonna keep it 100 I gotta keep it 100 now I don't know shout out to Stacy Dash I love her older movies you know shout out to a very gorgeous woman was my dream girl at one point I'm pretty sure I had on the wall and kissed her every day but um it's like this right here. I don't know if it's a publicity stunt for her or not. I don't know. I, I think that maybe if I was an agent and I saw the the uh, attention that Nicki Minaj got, a uh, pop star Nicki Minaj, uh, I would probably ask my. I won't say she. I can't say that she fell off, but I'll just say I would. I would tell my client that hey, who do you support? I would ask him who who do you support? You know who do you support in this campaign? This is one of the biggest campaigns in history. Okay, this is one of the biggest re-election campaigns in history. So if you came out in support of the other guy, whether you support him or not, if you came out in support of the opposition, do you know how much attention you'd get? But you got to be prepared for the negative attention because you get more negative than positive. And, and when I look at things like this, I don't know if it's a publicity stunt, but I will say this. 
when black people support the Republican Party or Republican candidate, it the, the the game is over. I mean, roll the sidewalks up, cut the lights off, shut the shut the door, lock them, because everybody's gonna go in on that person. Everybody's gonna all of a sudden say that you're a traitor. You're a, well, you know what? Let's bring an expert in on this. The man Kevin Williams, director, writer, uh, editor of the movie Fear of a Black Republican. Kevin, welcome to the show, my good friend. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me on tonight. Man, Looking it is a pleasure. It, it, you know, it's a pleasure to have you on this. And I just watched the movie, some last night, the rest today. And uh, Nicole asked me, how, how did I feel about the movie? I, I don't know if someone asked her, but, you know, I told her how I felt about the movie. And, you know, she raised her eyebrows at me. She was like, wow, you know, I, I never thought about it like that. I guess she hadn't seen it because we went into deep detail about it, okay? So I, she was saying some things. Well, well I, I never really thought about it the way you put it. And And the only thing I said is that, if you take black people, jumping right into this, I'm sorry, Kevin, if you take black people who support the Republican Party and you take white people who support the Democratic Party, all of a sudden the earth shatters, the earth, the earth shakes, and people look at you like, what's wrong with you? What is it about a racial identity that makes up a party that's contrary well, to a yeah, party? It's, it's kind of a fascinating thing. If I, if I, if I you know, get a little long, just kick me in the leg. Sure. But I guess coming from my background, I'm the youngest of seven. My mom, uh, a good Irish Catholic. My dad, uh, German Catholic. And I always heard stories of my older brothers uh, talking about what it was like when Kennedy ran back in '60 because there hadn't been a Catholic uh, president before, and he was of Irish descent mm -hmm. and the whole deal. And there's a lot of pressure on people, uh, particularly in the Northeast and the cities, if you're Irish and Catholic, you had to vote for Kennedy. But by the time I came up, that really didn't exist, and it already passed, etc. But one of the things growing up in the urban city that's dominated African-American population-wise and Democratic Party-wise is seeing how culturally ingrained that you must be, if you're black, you must be Democrat, and only white people are Republicans. Yeah. And I don't, you know, they, my older brothers can tell me stories. It is not the same <laughs> as what it is like <laughs> to be an African American who wants to be a Republican. Uh, it's nowhere near that. And it's one of those things where demographically, ethnically, it's just, uh, it's a sad thing I, I found over time. But it's just an amazing uh, process to see where automatically, and I asked this of uh, Professor Taylor in the film, what would be worse to be called in, in the African-American community, uh, a Republican or the N-word? And being a great intellectual as he is, he is he's a professor at Princeton, mm -hmm. um, he actually broke it down and explained, to it, explained it and got to the level, well, it would be worse in the black community to be called a Dixiecrat. Uh, so you to be a black Republican rather than a Dixiecrat. So on the yes. food chain, a Dixiecrat is at a higher level than the black Republicans in many uh, wow. folks' ideas, which was utterly, in many ways, shocking. Because if you say racism, you say Ku Klux Klan, you say uh, what happened Jim Crow laws, I'm thinking you know, George Wallace, I'm thinking Bull Connor, I'm thinking Governor Faldus, all these figures in history who were you know, complete racist, uh, yeah. but they were all from the Democratic Party, but on, on our culture, particularly and for black culture, the Republican Party has that tag, where the Republican Party is the one where people raise their eyebrows, temperatures can get raised, arguments can get started. And I've seen it 
Uh, fortunately, we've, when we've done our screenings around the country, uh, we haven't had any major problems, but there have been some moments where uh, someone who's uh, black and a Democrat will get mm-hmm. up into someone's face who's a black and Republican. It's just it's kind of a mm-hmm. very interesting dynamic when you also watch maybe white audience members who've never seen this before because wow. they live in the suburbs, or maybe they vote for the either party have never you know had to interact with someone who disagrees with their political views. Man, and um, I'm sorry, I can, I can, I we made a movie for six and a half years. I could be with you for two days talking. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We don't spend all night on this topic, but let me let me rewind a second, uh, just for people who just started listening to the show. Shout out to my folks on the West Coast who probably just joined us as well. Um, listen, what inspired you to do a movie like Fear of a Black Republican? I mean, what what made you do this? By the way. Well, that's a great deep question. Um, A lot of things, a lot of things, Budgie, but if I think if I broke it down, it was just the idea of uh, I grew up in a city that it's not, we're not on the upside. It's it's actually gotten worse since we even started making the film. But I wanted to find out why my own party, I'm a Republican, we tell everyone at the beginning of the film, uh, was it involved in urban areas such as where I live? and why the Democratic Party had such free reign. And specifically, I heard you speaking earlier about going to uh, the state legislature, going to city council meetings, and that's what we did. When my wife and I got married in 2000, we bought a house. We got civically active. Uh, before we had kids, we really tried to uh, go to as many city council meetings, learn who all the players were, know all seven members of the city council. We knew our mayor on a first-name basis. And... As the years went by and we were fixing up our house, it just wasn't getting any better. We had more crime. We had the bloods moved in our neighborhood. We had different things where uh, businesses, they they'd announced that they were going to build this brand-new factory or that something was going to go up, and it just never went up. And no people were hired, and you could just see on the streets that folks were – their times were getting tougher for them. And what put it all together was uh, 2004 – uh, the election between President Bush and Senator Curry, uh, it was very tight here in New Jersey after 9-11. And uh, at that point, about a week and a half or so before the election, Bush was down about seven points. So Maxine Waters, who is a congresswoman out in L.A., and I knew from following politics, I'm a bit of a junkie, that she was kind of a firebrand, and uh, she'd probably have some interesting things to say, uh, no matter what. And some Democrat friends of mine, uh, one of whom is now on city council, mm-hmm. uh, Zach Chester, I uh, got permission uh, for me to go shoot the event because it was a get-out-the-vote event for the congressman, who's a Democrat in our, our district. And when I went there, and you see this in our trailer at fearofablackrepublican.com, uh, it was one thing for my mayor to get up, and he really spoke to the crowd. It was a heavily African-American crowd to make sure they showed up for Election Day and the night before to knock on doors. But when Maxine Waters got up, she specifically attacked the Bush administration. I expected that. But when she said, we have to get rid of this crowd, this whole bunch, and guess what? That goes for (laughs) Colin Powell and for sure Condoleezza Condoleezza Rice. Rice. And I just pan the camera, and you see the audience just going crazy like, you know, Philadelphia Eagles just won the Super Bowl. That's my team. (laughs) And uh, it was just amazing to see because, okay, yeah, I'm white. Yeah, I'm a Republican. And quite frankly, amongst Republicans, a lot of of folks sit there scratching how did the Democrats do it? How did they keep the African-American committee, 
community voting Democrat. And I think I saw part of it that night. And it just hit me like a thunderbolt when she spoke to that. Now, Condoleezza Rice, Colin Powell, you may not like their policies, but these are very accomplished people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the crowd to react to that, it really said to me, okay, there's a lot more going on here than just Democrat, Republican. There's a cultural thing. There's uh, a racial angle to this that a lot of people aren't getting outside of probably the African-American community or if you live in an urban area. And consequently, a couple of days later, I'm, I'm a filmmaker. We always approach the movie filmmaker first. But I did try to go get door hangers for President Bush to put up in my own neighborhood, and we showed this <laughs> in the film. And I was immediately like, well, we're not putting anything up in Trenton. And I'm like, well, why not? I live there. <laughs> and the gentleman wow. said, we don't basically, we don't want to rile up the voters in the city because if they come out in force, that will hurt us in the suburbs and the statewide elections. So wow. that, right there, boom, Maxine Waters, boom. I can't get door hangers because assuming they're afraid a lot of black Democrats are going to come out and vote in numbers that would hurt the suburban, i.e. white Republicans running for election. Wow. And that, that's really what spurred us on. I mean, shooting in the snow in Wisconsin in January, I almost got frostbite to travel in the country. went down to New Orleans twice. Uh, the Ninth Ward uh, traveled to follow Catherine Davis is in the film. She runs for Congress. And that really, I, I, I really have to think, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I would say I think God inspired us to make this film in some ways that we don't know about. If I, yeah. can, if I could just mention that, because for us to make a film for six and a half years, you have to have a lot of determination. Yes, but sir. Also, you have to have to have a belief, particularly with independent film, that you're doing something maybe no one else can touch, but more importantly, something that needs your personal feeling to it. Six years in making that film. That's amazing, my brother. I mean, you talk about and and, and let me just tell you for a second. We we are a pro Christ show. I don't care who doesn't like it. I don't care who doesn't listen. I don't care who has a beef with it. This is what we do. This is what we believe. So if you have any reserve in saying, you know, God inspires to do anything, brother, you can throw that reserve in the garbage. Because I, you can definitely do that on this you. show, and that's what we do. So, I, you know, I, hey, man, without God, we definitely wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have the mindset Certainly. that we have to be able to speak about the truth in things the way we see it, not catering to any party, just speaking on the truth in the way that we see it, reading history, and understanding the legislation that presents for us before us. So, you know, there's no reserve in, in, in speaking about God on this show, man. This is what we do. But, um, you know, going, going back to you guys uh, shooting this, because – Looking at the movie, you got some heavy hitters on this movie, man. You got some people who that wouldn't come, wouldn't normally uh, speak on a topic, if you will, uh, from from what yes. I've from what I've gathered. And and you know they were really straightforward. I look at uh, Michael Steele and and some things that he said on the show, and I really love that segment because you know what he had to say. I thought was Johnny on the spot, and and I know I'm going to skip a little bit and a little bit and go back and forth in this movie. And I and no, I want no, people. No worries. I, I'd I'd love it because I don't get ask these questions most often. Okay, great, man, because I, I what I want to do, I, I want people to see this movie in, and what we want to try to do at KRP, we're going to try to set up a screening somewhere. we got to find out what it takes, how much it costs, and we'll try to get those funds together through donations, and we'll try to make it happen. I think a lot of people definitely need to see this because it's so middle of the road. I mean, this film really captures the essence of the things that I talk about on this show all the time. And and the, the ultimate question is, you know, 
does the Republican Party really want more black Democrats? And, and, and I often wonder that myself because, you know, you reach out to different people. And by the way, by the way, I think there's another question and probably another movie that's out there. I'd love to help you make the movie and ask this question. Does the Dem- does the, seriously, seriously, I want people to think about it. Does the Democratic Party, and I got my beef with them, man, because I look at the neighborhoods that I grew up in, but the question is, does the Democratic Party really want more informed black Democrats? I think mm-hmm. that's another question. Because, you know, sure when, you start, when, when you start dealing with these political uh, individuals or what I like to refer to them, to them as is celebrities, when you start dealing with them and you know that un- and you understand the legislation and the things that they've done in the past and the relationships that they have, that they don't have to have, by the way, they look at you like you're weird. They don't really want to talk to you. They will because they have to, especially in a crowd. But if you call them, they'll push you off there. You know, if you catch them in a, in a moment when it's just you and them in a the room, you know, they'll brush you off again. They'll try to walk past you. They'll they'll ignore you until you give up. And they're very good at ignoring because they normally have a staff that just says, hey, uh, Mr. Congressman's busy. He'll get back with you or such and such is busy. They'll get back with you. And, and this is what I've seen on the Democratic side because I, I have tried to reach out to these folks. I have dealt with a bunch of different NAAC people across the country. And what it seems like is if. If you're not prepared to take orders, with all the respect to these guys, if you're not prepared to take orders, they don't want to deal with you. And looking at your movie, that's what I saw from what, what, what you faced in Trenton. You know, when you got involved in Trenton, it was almost like, hey, if, you don't, if you're not here to serve and you're not here to take orders, we really don't want to deal with you. No, and, and, I, and that's truthfully what it was. Uh, and it would, it's some folks, you almost had that attitude of, well, how dare you actually ask a question? Mm. And it was just amazing over time how many people we've met around the country, not just you know when we were here, and even in Arizona, Tucson, we did a screening there. Lady didn't know that she had the right to go to her city council meeting and that there's a public speaking portion where you can stand there as a citizen and allay your concerns and tell your city council, look, you're not doing a good job doing this, or the police didn't show up when we called them about this situation, or traffic, or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we found when making the movie, we got a lot of people, uh, God bless them, you know, Senator then becoming President Obama, before he really got going in late 2007, early 2008, and started uh, defeating you know Hillary Clinton in her campaign, I think we got a lot of people who wouldn't have said the same thing after uh, he got rolling because they would have been afraid – uh, to be put on YouTube, or they yeah. would have been afraid to have their their comments taken out of context. Oh yeah. And um, I, I just that's where I say like you know God bless the Lord because if it didn't take us that long to make the film, we wouldn't have gotten you know a Cornell West the, the beautiful yeah. answer he says right in the beginning of the film, or yeah. Michael Steele and what he says, or even Mike Huckabee what he says uh, when he was running for president before anybody knew who who he was. Mm-hmm. I mean he was still. At that point, flying around the country with his uh, daughter, she was his campaign manager. So <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, I, I just and it's one of the things I, I would like to. I know you're very much about positivity and trying to get people to achieve their dreams. One of the things we just did it by hook or by crook. We went to book signings. That's how I got Governor Whitman, my governor, she did a book signing nearby, and just introduced myself and said, "Hey, this is what we're trying to do." Yeah. And she said, "Well, contact my assistant." I emailed the assistant. And I laid out, I didn't tell them exactly the questions I would ask, but I told them the subject bears. 
And she was another person I, I thought was great and, and beautifully honest in it. Tavis yeah. Smiley. I got him, we got him for the movie before he became a huge deal. And I'll give him a lot of credit because uh, we booked that interview about three months before Hurricane Katrina happened. And the wow. interview was supposed to happen about two and a half weeks after. And he could have canceled on us because he had a the big PBS telethon that night in New York City. And mm-hmm. he didn't cancel. And I got to spend uh, about a half hour with him. And you saw how much of him's in the film. That tells you how much, how much, how good he was in his answers. Oh yeah, he. I, I, I love Tavis um, because Tavis gives you a, a brutal honesty majority of the time, whether you agree with him or not. I, I think from, I think he's speaking from his heart, and and I don't think that there's an agenda there. I think really Tavis speaks from his heart and what he believes based on what he's seen. You know, so I, you know, people like that, I love to work with. You know, I don't care about your party lines. But I, I love to work with people who are who are driven by just the pure of their heart, just the love that's in their heart and the love that they have for other folks. I think we need more of that, man. And and that's why I believe that, you know, we got to do something in this country to get more common people. Uh, and, and when I say common, I mean more working people, more people that have more in common like each other, like we do, than, you know, sure. people who sit on this plateau and feel like they're more holy than now or you know, they're, they're some kind of special person just because they're running for a political office to actually serve the people. And, and you know, there are all those personalities out there. But so I, I think we need more common people, more people that are more that have more in common with you and myself than, you know, those type of uh, uh, attitudes, if you will. Oh, very much so. And that that's what the founding fathers and mothers wanted when they founded the country. They didn't want Absolutely. nothing against lawyers, but. Do we really need to have 300 lawyers out of 435 members of the uh, House? No. Or how many people are millionaires, both parties? That That's not what was originally intended. And that's I think that's why in many ways we're getting the government we have nowadays. Yeah. Um, you, you, you spoke on Hurricane Katrina. And, and, you know, I did listen to what Tavis had to say in the movie. And I also listened to what uh, former Republican chair Michael Steele had to say. And, and I thought Michael Steele was Johnny on the spot, too. Uh, but he said something that, that stuck out in my head, and I just want to ask you, you know, about Hurricane Katrina. Wh- where exactly, where are you, you know, what was going on with you guys? Because I, I think, were you guys shooting a movie at that time as well? No, actually, uh, I was in Trenton uh, screaming at my television set oh, man. <laughs> a lot because I lived in New Orleans. I actually, when I went to grad school Tulane, and I went through Hurricane Andrew, and all I had was a bicycle and a streetcar, and the streetcar was not going to get out and get me out of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget my landlord. This is about eight or seven months or so before it happened. He said, uh, "Kev, I know you don't have a car. Get a hatchet from the hardware store down the street. If you, you chop through the roof, if anything gets bad, go to the dome." And that's 1992. Damn. So everybody knew you knew from jump. You moved to New Orleans. You were renting. You go to the dome. Yeah. And just watch what's on television. I know intellectually, I know legislatively, you know, there's this concept uh, in our constitution or legal form of government called posse comitatus, where a, the president of the United States, the federal government, cannot go into uh, a state without the written request of that governor. And there's all right. this mess between uh, Mayor Nagin, Governor Blanco, and President Bush, and uh, hopefully somebody will do something about that because I, I would I would have to think we'll be facing that once again sometime in the future. Uh, but what Michael Steele said uh, in the film is what a, many, many people felt, particularly folks who live in urban areas who are Republican, which is, yeah, Bush should have landed, that hel- landed in Air Force One, taken a helicopter, 
And when I watch that scene, it brings me back. I get a chill down my spine. I've seen that scene probably 2,000 times from editing and everything. And it was just one of those moments where you just knew when it didn't happen. And Carl Rove is the one, I found this out in our research later on, uh, Carl Rove is the one who advised him against doing it because he thought it would look like grandstanding. Uh, and when he did that, you just knew, boom, There's a that was a huge loss opportunity. All those minor gains, the progress that was getting made towards uh, bringing the Republican Party back towards the cities, back to the African-American community, that just went up in smoke. Wow. And Six it one nine. And actually, it should have. Uh, well, 619-638-8559, you're on the KRP radio show. On with our favorite black black Republican producer, Kevin Williams, on chopping it up with me, at NC Pudgy on Twitter, at KIRP Radio Show, at Fear of a Black R-E-P. Check them out on uh, Twitter. Did I get your tag right just now? Yep, that's right, Fear of a Black R-E-P. And then our website's fearofablackrepublican.com. And we're also on Facebook, but I'll, I'll be honest, I'm having a lot more fun on Twitter. That's how you and I have been really <laughs> communicating, so it's yeah. a great thing. Um, I, I think we met. I, I thought we met a few times. I know we met in D.C. if not once, but twice. But if if not twice, we definitely met once, and I, and I think it was at CPAC. Um, yeah, I'm sure, pretty sure it was actually. Okay, well, I, I know for a fact we met at CPAC because I got your I had your poster in the studio here. But I, I just want to ask you, um, well, before I move on to the the CPAC, I just want to ask you one more thing about Hurricane Katrina. What what do you think, or how do you think President Bush would have been looked at? by black folks in the country had he went had he uh touched the ground in uh New Orleans during the hurricane um well f- first of all I'd have to say that I mean this is the point of view of someone who's white but has, yeah. does know a lot of heck a heck of a lot of African Americans definitely talked to a heck of a lot of them since Katrina um I think if he would have done that it would have really gotten a lot of people to look back and say, hmm, you know, maybe these Republicans aren't what I heard about. Maybe some of them are, but not all of them. And maybe, okay, maybe I'll get this this guy who wants to run for city council everybody laughs at at the barbershop. Maybe I'll give him a serious listen. Or maybe I might consider voting for the next Republican who comes down running for president. Or at least hear what they have to say without the view maybe I brought was brought up with. Or maybe the only view I got, which is what the Democrats have told me or what the media tells me. And when he didn't do that and just show the great sympathy, which I believe he did have in his heart, and I think he wanted to do it. And I know from reading his autobiography, he did want to go to New Orleans, but unfortunately he listened to his advisors. Mm-hmm. That I think that would have changed, like Michael still talks about in the film, it would have changed basically a lot of what the, the dip imprimatur. He uses a very good Latin word, which I had to look up in the dictionary. But uh, <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. Uh, very smart guy, Mr. Steele. Uh, I think it would have changed a lot of things. It wouldn't have gotten millions of African Americans to vote Republican overnight, but I think it would have really opened up uh, the dialogue a lot. Instead, it had the exact opposite uh, result. Looking at the political landscape of uh, just of America in in general, the, does the Republican Party, does the country need the Republican Party to have more Black Republicans? In your opinion? Yes, I, I think so. I think to have uh, what uh, Senator Brooks says in the beginning of the film, uh, we need to have a viable two party system, 
particularly in urban areas where you have a greater percentage of our population is moving to, uh, and the cities are growing to what they're calling now exurban areas where the cities have grown into the suburbs. And if we don't have more black Republicans, which would mean the Democratic Party starts losing its automatic power base in the black community and in urban areas, and that would force them to all of a sudden have to really start showing some results. And then on the Republican side, they would have to change a good bit of their agenda in not being such a suburban-focused party and have mm-hmm. to really get involved with things like, okay, crime, or get involved with things such as the school systems beyond, okay, let's just have school vouchers and school choice, which are great things in my opinion. And I think these, these are necessary things. But you have to have the Republican Party look at also, okay, well, when someone gets released from prison, recidivism programs, what are we going to do about that? Uh, drug addiction programs. Uh, how draconian do we want things like in New York to have the Rockefeller drug laws, uh, whether those really are effective. There's a lot of issues that affect urban areas because folks are so concentrated uh, in a low amount of square miles. Like where I live, we have 84,000 people and 7.5 square miles. Uh, this year we're up to over this past week, and I think uh, we have 18 murders in our city. Wow. Now, if cities aren't the perfect uh, bad laboratory of a lack of opportunity, a lack of jobs, uh, crime, and all the other ills that we're supposed to be improving as a society, uh, how long is it going to be to the suburbs start feeling the effects? And they already are beginning. I mean, they have mass problems. They have crime problems. They're not on the levels that we see in our cities uh but over time, one of the things I, I try to appeal to suburbanites, particularly if they come to the screenings or trying to, when I do interviews, and I know I'm speaking to a more suburban audience or a more Republican audience, and I just say, you folks are paying a lot of money in property taxes, and a lot of that money is going to help with certain problems that we have in urban areas uh, with lack of uh, jobs or services or with Law enforcement, you're paying for that. How many years do you want to be paying for that and getting the same terrible results? If you want to fix the problems, you can't just simply, if you work in the city, drive in at 8 a.m. and then leave at 5 p.m. You have to get more involved beyond that. And further, you have to push your legislators to start really trying to solve the problems as hard as we are. And let them know, yeah, folks in the suburbs want to make the cities better places, and not for just an esoteric reason of, oh, you know, make me feel better, kumbaya, help those poor people. No, it's helping yourself because you're helping your fellow citizen. And by helping your fellow citizen, we're making a better country. Sure. And more than a fair number of people, I I think they get that. But I think the problem where we've gotten, and this is on a racial basis as well as uh, you mentioned earlier, the party basis, it's very difficult particularly with the, the self-segmenting we have of our media. Ooh, I only watch Fox. I never watch MSNBC or the other ones, or I don't read this paper. And on the left, who I would never watch Fox, or I would never read that paper or this online site. People need to start really getting both points of view or two sides of the story, if not three sides of the story, because if you're not, it's really easy, particularly in the online world, to only keep getting the same news from the same people and even sure. social media. How many attaboys do you need to get or retweets before you say, well, hold on, am I really thinking the right way on this issue? Have I challenged my thoughts? Wow. And, um, you know, if I could just add this to one of the things we've noticed in trying, you know, making the film, getting it out there, talking to a lot of the great folks we've been blessed to talk with that are in our film, is if you really look closely, and I'd just like to encourage folks, 
maybe just for a couple of nights if you happen to watch the cable news, how many of these guests or these consultants they have on or contributors are conveniently hawking a book? Or they got this film coming out or or this uh, new TV show, whatever it might be. <laughs> it just, it's, I hate to say it, it's a very incestuous business, and they use the same people all the time. So, well, Schmidt, you, know? you, you just... I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make this comment, and then we're gonna bring on. Looks like we got Catherine Davis here. She's gonna join us in just a sec. Oh, awesome. Uh, awesome. We're not gonna do our 9 p.m. commercial. We'll get to that towards the end of the show, maybe the bonus hour. But uh, for folks who just joined in, especially my West Coast listeners, you listen to the KRP Radio Show. Special guest Catherine Davis, and right now on the air with me, uh, Fear of a Black Republicans producer and editor, and I want to say writer and just the whole thing for that movie. <laughs> Kevin Williams, producer Kevin Williams. You know, you, man, you jack of all trades for the movie anyway. Um, check us out on Twitter, at symbol K-I-R-P Radio Show, krpradioshow.com. We're also on iTunes, where we got some great numbers on that. Man, we're doing very well on there. 619-638-8559. Hit one if you got a comment. We'll try to get you in the queue as soon as possible. No, we got two guests, so just hang tight with us, folks. We will have a bonus hour tonight. Let me say this, my brother. Let's bring on Catherine first, because I get long-winded. Catherine, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing hey, wonderful. Hey, Catherine. <laughs> hey, Kevin. How are you? Good, good. How have you been? I'm wonderful, wonderful. I've been sitting here listening to y'all and yelling and screaming at you. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. I know you. <laughs> I know you were. I know you were. Well, you made our film, ma'am. You made our film. You know what? It's beautiful to have you on, Catherine, and, and I'm a huge fan of yours, as you know. I mean, supporter, friend, brother, everything, you know it. I'm always in your corner any way to help, and for you folks who don't know that, I am. So I'm I'm all in in that boat. I know Catherine's heart and her intentions are absolutely pro-Christ, and I love that, and I'm definitely in her in her corner as she goes through a lot of these fights that she starts. <laughs> <laughs> she don't start them, but she definitely finishes them. And, and, you know, if you guys follow Captain Davis, you, you're following a good person. And, you know, she's putting out some good information for some of you all out there, whether you want to hear it or not. Captain, I was just in the middle of uh, about to, to make this comment about CPAC. Um, you know, Kevin had mentioned that there's a lot of people on these uh, these anchor folks that are on these news shows, the, the CNNs, the Foxes, all of them. And they always have a – it seems that they have a hidden agenda well, you know, that's the problem I had at CPAC. Um, I found myself in a room with what were labeled as the black, some of the black conservatives in the country, uh, if not in the world. And uh, I had an issue with all of the language in that room. Um, you know, there were people talking about what they have done. And I, and I honor that. Thanks to you guys who have done so much. You guys are the reason that I'm here today and that I feel inspired enough to continue on what you are still doing. And, you know, through some of the works that you have done. But my issues with that is that we can all gather. We can write our checks and fly to CPAC. We can drive and gas our cars and trucks up. We can pay for these overpriced hotels and some of these overpriced breakout sessions. And we come and we look and smell good. We go out to eat and we drink the best wines and the food and whatever. We can all do that together. But as soon as one of us, any one of us in that room, asks, to meet somewhere other than where all the news cameras are going to be uh, because we need support in this community. If you look at Chicago right now, all to me, to me now, and I got my criticisms for the president because that's his hood, as I like to say, but I got my criticisms with everybody else too because we should be pulling together 
in Chicago, I don't care if it's marching, singing a song, meeting with somebody, whatever we got to do, those are the things that we should be inspiring and getting together to do, not getting going together at in CPAC, where, where these are all the people who are active and talking about the books that I got coming up and the movies that I'm going to be in and this, that, and the third. I'm sick of hearing that. I don't mind buying folks' books. You know, I'm, I'm a capitalist. I want people to do well, and I hope people continue to do well. Write your books. Sing your songs. Make your songs. Whatever you got to do. Do your website. Do your movies. But when it comes to being active, it always seems like it's an individual effort, and I can't stand it because let's be frank here. Let, let's be real frank. I don't know one black conservative in this country that can gather 500 to 1,000 black conservatives in the room without a suit and tie on and a call to action to actually go out and do some work. I don't know one because I haven't seen it. And if I'm lying, please prove me wrong. Catherine, what do you think about all that? I know I said a lot. <laughs> well, I know, I, um, I, I know a couple of black conservatives that can – can call a thousand people in the room, conservatives, to action. And you do too, Pudgy. We just haven't done it. But you know them, like Tim Johnson and Dean Nelson and Troy Rollins and some of those folks. But anyway, can I back up for one second to Please. the Hurricane Katrina thing? Um, why is it that only the Republican president is expected to respond in a certain way when we have a disaster <laughs> and not the Democrat president? And that's the problem I have with that analysis that just occurred about, yes, President Bush should have uh, touched down in in, in New Orleans, and he was he was trying to be careful because Republicans get so demonized; they're damned if they do and they're damned, damned if, they, if they, don't. they don't. So either way, I mean, I mean, he was going to be damned. Unfortunately, he chose the the wrong one to be damned over, but he was going to mm-hmm. be damned. But and I'm not trying to promote President Bush. I'm just saying that there is a something of a double standard. Yeah. When it comes to those kind of things, and we feed into this separatist notion of black Democrats and Republicans needing to do something more to get them. That's not what's going to win them, because Republicans have been demonized for too long. Secondly, um, because they have been demonized, I don't think there's ever going to be a time when we are going to recruit large numbers of blacks to be Republican. And I think that's the wrong thing to do anyway, because it's because of these party delineations that we are so divided today. But what about in America where blacks and whites, without regard to party, come together and elect people who are going to represent our interests? They could be Republican, they could be Democrat, but this party allegiance has been been used to drive a chasm between blacks and whites today Amen. that, quite frankly, is not going to be bridged by recruiting blacks to become Republican because you have many Republicans who put on the uniform of Republicanism, but they're just as racist and just as Democrat <laughs> in their ideology 
Sure. As the Democrats who are on the other side and vice versa. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 from an activist point of view, you have to give people something to be activated for. And mm-hmm. CPAC is not a organization to activate anything. CPAC <laughs> is where you go to be seen and sell your books and rub shoulders and hobnob with the political elite. But it is not the group that's going to come together and cause the revolution in this country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I I definitely agree, and and my whole issue with that was that we were that that room or those folks in that room were that was sort of a call to action on what we were to do, if if you will, and you know I, I didn't get any instruction from there. I didn't even get any morale from that. It was just hey, you know we've been doing good by my book. We've been doing good by my book. But you know I go back with all due respect to Tim and Dean and all those other folks out that I know and Troy and. You know all the other beautiful leaders out there in the in the uh, in the conservative movement, the, the Christ conservative movement, as I like to clarify, the common sense conservative movement. I, I like to say, you know, with all due respect to those guys, I, I think my numbers were a little bit low when I said a thousand. You know, I meant more higher numbers, but and it's not really all about that. It's just it seems that you know these guys are out here working. Catherine, you're out here working. Kevin, you're out here working. I'm working. And we're working for people who who it seems like could care less about what we believe in, when in truth. Oh, very it, much so. Very much so. If I, but, but, but I, I, I I've been at two CPACs since when you see in the film. Yeah. And one of the things that was amazing to me is it hasn't changed. Like when I I met Catherine for the first time, we were getting part of a, a group with the National Black Republican Association, and just seeing. What Catherine went through, being a congressional candidate, and just observing, and granted, I'm running around with a camera, and God bless her for putting up with me, but to see all the same things, this person trying to make sure that they are talking to someone more important than you at all times, uh, trying people lining up to try to talk to the, the chairman who didn't take any questions when we were at the event, uh, didn't want to interface with any of the activists, and you can see there's a huge difference between the people in the cheap seats, shall I say, your activists, and the folks who are doing all the talking from the stages, and also from the folks who are getting that access and getting a chance and getting commitments of real uh, real time in coming to their community or just giving them a little bit of money and resources or at least, hey, I'll, I'll write you a letter of support. And you just didn't see that going on. And one of the things, if I could say this, it was across the board. No matter what you looked like or where you necessarily came from, it was a matter of unless you could help me advance my career, you're not worth my time. And that's, that's and the that's worst part true, of all that. That's true on both sides of the aisle. That's not it just sure, a Republican sure phenomenon. It sure it's a, a political party phenomenon, which goes back to my point. And, Kevin, I think we saw this. Um, repeatedly, even when we were going around in my district, and I'll, I'll never forget that that clip that you put in, Kevin, when the governor uh, or the candidate to be the governor of Georgia <laughs> called all of the Republican candidates up to be recognized and did not call my name, and it was not because he didn't know me; 
it was because I didn't fit the political model that they were attempting to uh, nope. promote and mm-hmm. to elevate. And so, you know, even though I was there, he did not call me up. Now, when he left, the party chair of that county did call me up. But by then, the media was gone, you know, most of the people were milling about and leaving kind of thing. Um, But, again, I think that in this day and age, we cannot expect these political parties to fulfill uh, the desires that we have because they have proven time and time again they're not interested. They're not interested in going into Trenton where Kevin lives or coming over here in Stone Mountain where I live. They are more interested in promoting their political agenda, and the rest of you, you know, forget you. Yeah. Because you don't have power and you don't have the the money, and that's what they're all clamoring for. Kevin, fear of a black Republican. I did see the segment. Uh, well, I saw the whole movie, but I I, I did see the the, the segment with uh, Catherine. And uh, when she distinctly said, I'm not getting the support of the Republican Party National, um, where's the disconnect with the national parties, either side, the national parties and actual actual congressional candidates? Because that's amazing to me. I'm not we're not talking about uh, with all due respect to city council members. We're not talking about city council members. We're talking about someone who's running for Congress within your party. How do you not support people who are congressional candidates for your party? Catherine, maybe you can better answer that. You can take it, Catherine. uh, Yeah, it's called the Southern Strategy. Oh, God. Because... Because the fear is that if the black vote comes out, Kevin mentioned it earlier, it's going to hurt the upticket. And so what they do is say, yes, we want you, Catherine, you're wonderful, you're great, look at this, we have this black Republican, but they're not going to say it loudly, they're not going to say it publicly, and they certainly are not going to put their money behind it because in a district like the one that I live in, it could sway a statewide election in one direction or the other. And so they don't want all these black voters coming out there and voting for any candidate. I mean, I could have been white for that matter. They, in, in this particular district, they're not going to uh, support me. And I think that's what Kevin faced in Trenton. They told him really sure. clearly, we're not going to put stuff out in Trenton because Why? They didn't say they didn't want all those black voters to come out, but they might as well have because Kevin is an anomaly. Yeah. <laughs> Living in yeah. Frankly, you know? yeah. <laughs> He's not the norm, you know. Yeah. So, um, and again, that's why it becomes critical. We have to be wise as serpents but harmless as doves. And I think our our mistakes, if you will, have been to try to persuade a group of people who over – uh, a 40-year period of time have been told that all Republicans are one sheet short of the KKK, <laughs> tried to now turn around and say, we want to be your friend. Well, you know, we, they have 40 years of hearing that they're going to turn back the clock, y'all. They're going to turn back the clock. Yeah. Now, 
Praise God. I'm the, I'm not the kind of candidate they call the Oreo or Uncle Tom or any of the things that might happen with Michael Steele. You know, they threw cookies at that brother. Yeah, yeah, um, man. And I, I think it's more because of my affect, mm-hmm. you know, because you throw a cookie at me, I'm going to pick it up and throw it back. I know that's right. <laughs> Serious. but, um, seriously, but, but, you know, to, I'm not so naive as to believe that I can go out here in DeKalb County, Georgia, in Rockdale County, Georgia, and tell black people uh, to vote Republican. What I can do is exactly what I did, and Kevin can tell you that campaign that he filmed, um, if we went back and look at my numbers, most of the votes that I got that year came out of the black community. Wow. Not from my Republican friends. Black Democrats voted for me. Right. Wow. And, 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 and when we were sign waving, you know the scene where Kevin shows the cars going by and they're honking their horn at me. Yeah, and stuff? yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we were in the heart of the hood. <laughs> you know what I mean? And people yeah. recognized me. They knew me, and they were willing to throw their support to me. I but at that point, my Republican brethren <laughs> deserted me. So my votes came from the black vote. And it's proven that if we go and ask for the vote and let them see you, and that's what made Huckabee such a great candidate for president, is because he didn't care about going into the hood and asking black folk for their vote. And when he did it in Arkansas, he got a huge, significant uh, number of black votes that no other Republican has seen in recent history. Forty percent. Wow, I love yeah. it. Well, I mean, here here we are, folks, uh, in an election year, in in what I feel like is one of the most important election years ever to me. I know 2008 was, they say, monumental, but I think this one is that just that much more special. And, uh, you know, we have a Mitt Romney and we have a President Obama, and, you know, they're going head-to-head. And, you know, what I've been seeing is people going at each other's throats. I mean, family and friends over the over the social media, uh, you name it, they, Twitter, Facebook, all this stuff. I mean, blogs, people are actually going in on each other. And and what I've seen from my community of folks is that uh, if you support Mitt Romney, um, I disown you almost. So I can't deal with you. Or I can't speak to you or, you know, you're a traitor. Or, you know, I saw a traitor a lot in the movie. You're a traitor. Or sometimes you're just... You're not connected or you don't understand, you know, how important is this election this year uh, compared to where we were in 2008? Whoever can take that. Um, I'd say I think you have it right. It's more important. 2008, that was in the tidal wave election. The Republican Party could have genetically re-engineered George Washington, John McCain, Jackie Robinson, whoever they wanted to put in, and yeah. I don't think it would have made a difference. They just had they were I, one of the things I, I will always say, and I, and I tell as many folks, particularly on my side of the aisle, this: they worked hard. When he announced that he was running for president in January 2007, within two weeks, at least in New Jersey, they had already his campaign mapped out most of Newark, Trenton. Camden, Atlantic City, and some of the other uh, urban areas. And I'd heard that they did very well in Philadelphia with, by February. 
So they had already did all the land work. They digitized it. They computerized it way more than the Republican Party uh, and faster than they did in adapting from 2004. In 2004, the Republicans were the uh, the gold standard as far as campaign organization. So that campaign, they did a great job. But four years later, after we've had a momentous moment, the first African American president, uh, and all the you know great imagery with that symbology, but also in a lot of truth, yeah, there's a lot of families out there. They love to have their kids to be able to watch the television and say, "You can do that. You can be president of the United States, male and female." But I think from this point, uh, this is a very important election because people, I think, and I'm hoping will decide who they're voting for the best candidate, not voting. And there's a lot of white people who voted for President Obama uh, who wanted to vote for him because they wanted to vote in the first black president. Mm-hmm. And I did have some people say, you know what, if this guy does a great job, I don't want someone to say I'm a racist because I didn't vote for him. I voted for McCain. And I think uh, one of the things that we have found since he got elected and I think it's freed up some of more your, your more brave black conservatives who maybe weren't, as Michael Steele said, out of the closet beforehand, because now that this has occurred, it's maybe given them a little leeway to go out and speak out on what they actually believe and say, okay, well, it's over, it's done with, now where do we go from here? And I think 2012 is where do we go from here type of an election, and I'm hoping in the black community, urban community, as well as suburban community, Whatever happens November 6th, November 7th, we're all still the same country we were and supporting our president and supporting a positive direction for the country. Well, I think the the election is is a referendum on God, and that's why it's important. We have for the first time ever in the history of this nation a president come out directly in opposition to something that God said. Uh, I'm sorry, directly in support of something that God said was an abomination to him mm-hmm. um, and and was something that he hated. And this time it's not about this man's uh, skin color, which is what I think it was about in 2008. This time it is, are you going to support the biblical mandates that God set before us, or are you going to choose to support what man is saying? So I think for the first time, we're going to see uh, perhaps some people staying um, home because they can't vote for President Obama because of the position that he's taken with gay marriage and abortion. Those are two critical issues that God said. He said he hates the shedding of innocent blood. He said mm-hmm. same-sex uh, unions or whatever you want to call them are an abomination to him. Now, this nation, up in, despite all of the hype and rhetoric that the president has given us over the last four years, America is still considered a Christian nation. It is still a nation where the majority of us say we believe in Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. And so we have to decide this time, are we going to go in there and cast a vote for someone who has directly placed himself in opposition to the God we say we serve and believe in, or are we not going to do that? That's the question, and that's what makes this election particularly important in my mind. 
Um, because if we go down the path of supporting someone that has spoken openly against the God that we say we love and serve, uh, I fear for the nation. I fear for, for the people. I fear for my children, my grandchildren, because to me that would be a point of no return. There would be no turning back at that point, and we would be ushering in the book of Revelation. That's Man. If, I, if I might add, uh, I think Captain eloquently stated that. I mean, when you have a, one party at their convention boo and vote down initially the word God wow. in their platform, and then, you know, the kangaroo court vote that they did, it was so obvious on television that the uh, mayor of Los Angeles, the deputy uh, chair of that, of that convention, completely ignored the thousands of people in his audience said, no. who wanted to not, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it was it was completely obvious. And that is where, okay, yeah, where are we going to go as a country? Because I did, I this past CPAC, I did go to, my favorite moment was 9 o'clock in the morning when Governor Huckabee stood up to a room full of probably mainly Baptists and folks who are not Catholic and said, ladies and gentlemen, we are all Catholics now. And the place stood up and erupted because of what's happened with Obamacare and the attacks on uh, the Catholic Church enforcing abortions and contraception. And this is going to be, and I think my own mayor in the film, Mayor Palmer, he's, he's talked about it in there. There are going to be elections when a lot of African Americans that won't come out and vote Republican, and Catherine just talked about that, yeah. but they're going to stay home. And I think, yeah, we're going to see a lot of that. And one of the shames uh, that's going to happen at this election, too, it was just announced a few weeks ago that uh, a lot of the major polling firms are pulling out of 19 of the bigger states that they usually poll. So we're not going to have really good numbers to base on what happened with the African-American vote in this election going forward. 619-638-8559 on the air with Captain Davidson, Kevin Williams, producer of Fear of Black, Fear of Black Republican. Um you know, th I think this this election is 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 that much deeper. And you know, for folks who don't get into social issues, because you know, when you have conversations with people, they they seem to regress. And and when you bring up the social issues, they go, well, you know, I don't really get into all of that, and we shouldn't be in the bedroom, and I shouldn't be in anybody's religion, and this, that, and the other. So there's a lot of people out here, um, whether we like it or not, that look at this thing from a fiscal aspect, and they yet they still support the president who spent more than George Bush in in three and a half years spent more than George Bush did in eight years, and those facts you can't debate. I mean those are facts. So if you're looking at this fiscally, why aren't people paying attention to what is fact based versus what is fiction? It seems that people are gravitating to the president no matter what facts you throw out there. No matter what, it seems See, that people are gravitating. But this is this is the deception, Pudgy. This is the deception. You just said it. People are not turning away from the social issues. The the pro-abortion, pro-homosexual marriage people have ramped mm -hmm. their game up. They're not backing down. I mean, no, they're you look not. at what happened at the the Democrat National Convention. You had. These women, I mean, I, there was a commercial or something that came out afterwards talking about vote with your uterus. Yeah. It yeah, yeah, is yeah. the conservatives <laughs> that are backing up, and that is the shame of it because we are now selling our souls for uh, money, 20 pieces of silver, 
rather than mm. standing strong on the mm. on the issues that God says we should be standing for. So the President Obama has made it extremely clear. He says it. I'm not backing down, and neither is Planned Parenthood. Now, to the black community, right. we should be shaking in our boots like we just heard from the KKK. Yeah. Because who is the number one customer of Planned Parenthood? Who is the number one customer of abortion in America today? Black females. It's the black community. And and in New York City, for every 1,000 black babies born alive, 1,448 are aborted. That is depopulation. And so for us to sit back and say this nonsense about a woman having the right to choose and not understanding the deception that's inherent in that, and a friend of mine, Arnold Colbreth, with Protecting Black Life, just put up on his website, protectingblacklife.org, a map that shows where Planned Parenthood's surgical facilities are located. And every single surgical procedures, something like 80-something percent of their surgical facilities are located within walking distance of a black or Latino neighborhood. Wow. And you think that we're not being targeted? The same thing with with um, homosexuals. I just saw a report that said, how, asked the question, how many, um, what percentage of Americans are homosexual? And People were saying 25%, 30%, 40%, and the poll came back 3.4%. So less than 4% of the population of this <laughs> nation are dictating the direction of the that we're going to go in, and we're not shaking in our boots. This is about God, and and we must, as Christians, every single Christian has to understand what's being put on the table because that's what they're going to be held accountable for at the end of time. And we can say we're backing away from abortion and gay marriage, but shame on us because they're running, as the president says, forward. Wow. Well, if I could just real quick, the stereotype also is and we get this question mainly from white liberals uh, for some reason is that if they appeal to the Republican Party or to African Americans split their ticket is it's purely social issues and in a lot of cases that is uh, an important way to get the conversation started but what happens over time is uh, I think both parties are really sitting back and thinking well uh, black people aren't as concerned about the economy as everyone else are is. Uh, they're not concerned about foreign policy as much as everyone else is. And there's a real fallacy with that. One And one of the things that I will freely attribute, at least in my own party, I think sometimes there's a te- tendency to not realize there are a lot of folks that are not in the cities. They live in the suburbs. They've gone to college. They have master's degrees. Some have PhDs or doctors or lawyers or business owners. And those folks want a conversation too. And to, to keep generalizing the argument or accepting what the Democrats do in many cases, which is keeping things in the discussion of uh, public assistance and things along that way, or uh, falling into the easy traps of racist language in some mm-hmm. ways, I think the Republican Party really doesn't necessarily advance its own cause, nor advance the cause 
of uh, black people within our, our within the political system. And if he did, besides getting their own views across, they sure as heck challenge the Democratic Party to explain all its views and not get the free pass that they've been getting, you know, since well before Dr. King uh, and what happened with Richard Nixon and MLK. I mean, I'm sorry, JFK. Because this has been going on for 40, 50 years, and if Democrats have had free reign to tell people whatever they want to say without any challenge to it. But one of the things when it comes to social issues is the Republican Party generally has a very good record to speak of and can can talk to those issues. The problem is is getting them to come to the community like Catherine did and like some folks are out there have been doing and getting that support and staying behind him and showing him that, yeah, we're here, we're real, and we're not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And until they do that, I mean, what Catherine did, that was God's work in my book. Amen and, to that. And we got to help, you know, those who are the servants of the Lord, we got to help them further than we've been helping in the past because as so goes our urban community, so goes the country. That's right. That's B.I.G. in my book. As I always say on this show, Captain is B.I.G. in my book. Listen, man, I, I think anybody that knows me, and and this is just speaking from my heart, it's all social to me. I'm not saying that I don't care about fiscal issues. I understand, you know, African Americans, we spend what what amount of money we spend in this economy, what amount of money we spend in this country. I think it's like $25 billion in in uh, target retail or, or the target market retail or something like that. And, I mean, it, it's quite amazing that we spend more money than we actually save if you look at the statistics, but for me, it's all social, and and that's where the buck stops. If you are not pro-life, I will not vote for you. <laughs> if you are not pro-Christ, I will not vote for you. I'm sorry, that's just me, and and that's my right to do. That's my right to choose. That's my vote. So I always try to tell people this, you know, vote with your principles, and and I think our principles are what drives us through life. I mean, if you look at the way we raise our children, the way we live in our households, the way we worship. Those are the true principles that we just don't break. Despite all the talk and the conversations we have and the disagreements we have, most of us don't sway away from our principles. But what I find about this election is very different than that. Um, you know, like like Catherine said earlier, just referring to that, we have a lot of voters, a lot of Christians who aren't going to vote just based off the fact that they feel like they got to stay home because they're not going to vote for Mitt Romney. They're going to stay home. They're not going to vote against the person who is pro-life. Rather than keep that man out of office, they're just going to stay home and not contribute at all. And and I found I find something – to me, you should be a little bit guilty behind that. You know, I'm not saying that you should vote for Mitt Romney. I'm, I'm not supporting Mitt Romney. I'm not a supporter of Mitt Romney. But I'm saying if you got somebody who distinctly stands against what God's word is and you find yourself a true believer of God and you're not willing to stand up for that, if anything – I think there's something wrong with you, but that's just my opinion. And and you know, a lot of people they get they get their as as one of my good rednecks buddies said, they get their panties in the wall when they when you start making comments like that, and they just don't like it. So and they and they feel like they have the right to do this. But you know, you know, a, a lot of stuff that I've been seeing though, I, I've actually seen on Facebook, and this is probably one of the most ridiculous things that I've ever seen in my life. But I saw where someone posted a message that they they had to delete their friend, and I know it's Facebook. Don't just just bear with me, folks. But I had to delete one of their friends because they were disrespecting their president. And then she went on to say fake Christians. And you know, I I, I looked at that comment, and I, and I asked myself, is this the state of America today? 
Is this where we are? Is this what we're going to stand for? If if this is the moment where we are to stand for God or have our head chopped off, our heads have been chopped off and they're rolling down the street. Well, that's the time I think we're in. And unfortunately, we in the body of Christ haven't done a strong enough job, I think, to help people to understand that they're about to get their heads cut off. Um, because we have been so politically controlled by partisanship, by the party. So, um, you know, many blacks will stay home this time because they they won't vote against God by voting for Barack Obama, but they'll stay home and not vote at all because we've had such a divide in this country about Republican Democrat, and to the point that Democrat today almost means black, because if a black person like Tavis Smiley or Cornell West or or somebody says something, uh, what's the young lady, Stacey Dash, mm-hmm. or, or somebody, then we ain't black because we came out and said we support somebody other than President Obama. So. Mm-hmm. That means I'm not black anymore. That is just the most ridiculous thing, and yet that's the state of affairs in this country. And those of us who understand the political process and understand what's at stake, uh, we have to do a better job of educating the grassroots people and breaking down that chasm that has been getting wider and wider, and that's why we don't need to, Kevin, persuade folks to become Republican, but to persuade them to vote their values. And if we could just do that, if we could get black people to vote what they say they believe, it would change the political structure of this country overnight. You know what, if I can say this to tie in with that a bit, is it's been sadly fascinating how many people, millions of folks who came on the voter rolls to vote for President Obama in 2008, and uh, I've seen figures estimating uh, near 70, 75% have never been back to vote in a local election or a primary election. Period, yeah. And uh, that's how many people who are now undecided voters, shall we say, or independent voters, uh, who haven't gotten into that habit or maybe aren't as politically aware as you know, three of us, or I'm sure many, many of your listeners are. And it, further, uh, one of the things that's been surprising, we took the film out on in the country, and uh, Catherine was at our premiere in Atlanta. And when we went to Charlotte and Greensboro and other places, particularly Charlotte and Greensboro, how many younger African Americans under, I'd say, 30, 35, mm-hmm. were supporters of Ron Paul, or even in the Q&A, and said, I'm not ever going to be a Democrat. I'm not ever going to be a Republican. I'm going to be a pen, an independent. I like I don't that. Believe in your two-party system. I like that. I, I want more than one choice. And how many folks have told us across the country they would never have registered for any political party if they didn't have to vote in a primary? Wow. I'm an avid supporter of, of independency. I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, I, I wish that everybody – could I be registered independents or we have more registered independents so more attention would be paid to the independent vote. But, you know, that even has some issues in the, in the political process. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that need to change in this whole process, man. And there's, there's a lot of light that needs to be shined on 
on uh, situations, if you will, or uh, uh, behind-the-scenes candidacies or, or what you want to call pork in some of this legislation that we see. And it doesn't all end with the presidency. You know, it, it, there's also there's a Congress, you know, that you have to worry about and that we have to vote on as well. And and what I find is that a lot of people are com- commenting or getting so involved with this presidency, but when it comes to local elections, they almost either don't care or because those local ele- elections aren't as loud, they don't hear about them or they don't know when they're they're when it's time to vote for local elections. So you know what what I try to do through this show. I mean, we're not going anywhere, man. We've been here before and after. And and what I'm going to try my best to do is shine some light on local elections and talk about things like that so people will be more informed and understand how important it is to vote for your city council member, your mayor, your governor, your sheriff, your school board, you know, whatever, man. I I just think we all need to be involved with these processes so we'll understand how things work and and just not get so rattled up with the presidency or or the president race and forget about everything else because it's more than just the president's race, you know, in my book. Um, Kevin, on, on this movie, Fear of a Black Republican, you guys covered a lot of information and, and you talked to a lot of people. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, what what was, was there a defining moment or what was the moment when you knew that, hey, you know what, this is the movie I need to be doing and, and no matter what, I'm going to keep going with this thing. Was there a moment that made you look at what you were doing and it kind of solidified your work? Um, I'd say two. Uh, the first moment was Katrina, just because, you know, watching on television how the media was covering it and, you know, who was getting accused of what, uh, that really told me a lot. But the defining mm-hmm. moment was when I saw, and in some ways how that played out in a bigger sense, was actually Catherine and her campaign. Uh, when I had the opportunity, and I truly believe this came from God, uh, meeting Catherine, and we just hit it off whatever the good reason we had some good conversations, and I, I, yeah, I think she trusted me. She had a good, hopefully, a good feeling. Um, I certainly did. I was fascinated by what she was trying to do. Felt a kinship because I didn't notice until later on how close demographically DeKalb County, particularly in, in that district, uh, mm-hmm. was to where I live in Trenton. But following her campaign and seeing the experience of what a black Republican, and this is a black Republican running for Congress. It's not running for city council or dog catcher. And that solidified absolutely what's wrong with both parties, what's wrong with the system, but more so for me, what's wrong with my own party. And I went into this, uh, I was I was definitely more naive. I was, you know, big, the Jimmy Stewart goes to Washington, you know, we can all work it out. <laughs> yeah, the national anthem in the background. And then really after going through that and seeing the results and how dumb uh, my own party was, uh, that really solidified because it also, I think, opened my eyes and reinforced what I was seeing in Trenton and New Jersey was the same in Georgia. And probably if it was the same in Georgia, it was the same in Louisiana and other places. And where the bottleneck really came from was Catherine had great had a great, okay, I'll help you conversation with the chairman of the party, the guy, the person at the top. Sure. And Nothing happened from the top to the state level to the county level to where she needed it on the ground, and that's where our problem is, in my opinion, is that the middle, the middle person, the middle level between the state party and the county parties. 
Nice. I think that's well, wonderful. I can tell you, it was a little, I did not realize at the time when Kevin and I met, we actually met at CPAC, mm-hmm. and uh, um, he said, well, can I come film you? I'm like, sure, come on. I had no <laughs> idea he was going to be following me around for a few days. So <laughs> when I, I, I saw the movie... Yeah, when he premiered the movie here in Atlanta and I had a, a dear friend of mine with me, she said, oh, you didn't tell me the movie was going to be mostly about you. I said, I did not know that. I thought he was going to take one or two clips yeah. from, you know, with my team out there waving or something, you know, in and out, in and out kind of thing. I did not realize I was going to be on the big screen like that, and that was very disconcerting. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Kathy. Great, it, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, she knows that, though. She knows that. Oh, she I all, know. Now, everybody, know what time that is. Uh, if, I, if I tell you, this is across the country. We've been in places like Kansas, Texas, Arizona, Jackson State University, Jackson, Mississippi, up north here. When Catherine is on the screen, People connect with her, whether they're Democrat, Republican, white, black, yep. etc. And I'll tell you what we have loved, and because when we made this film, we were in a cocoon on a third floor bed, spare bedroom in our, our townhouse here in Trenton, Rohome, and we didn't know until we showed the film in Atlanta did we have a good film or not. But since we showed it in Atlanta, when people see that Catherine sequence uh, in our movie. No matter what they came walking in as, whether they hated all Republicans, thought they were racist, or they loved all Republicans and thought they were amazing, she gets people to really feel what it's like to be a black Republican in the Republican Party, what they have to go through. And I think on a human level, I think she really gets a lot of folks to open their eyes and open their ears, whether they agree with what she believes they really have never met someone like Catherine, and she's a—I mean, on screen you've seen it—and yeah, she's she's a winner. You, you just you just have a natural—you root for the person, like in any great movie, you you have a character to root for. And for us as a character, and we had to look at Catherine uh, as a character in a sense, uh, was that they want to root for her, they want to see her win, they want to see her do yeah. well, and they want to see her succeed against all the odds. Well, I, th- I think if we get this movie out to more fil- more folks and we can beg Catherine to run again, um, you know, maybe we can <laughs> get her to win. I know I'm all in. I'll, I mean, Kevin's all great. in. For sure. What do you think, Catherine? Can yeah. we beg you to run for Congress again? I don't think so. I, I want to <laughs> end abortion. That's, my, heart, my heart today is to end this scourge on our nation and yeah. so my energies are being really directed towards that particularly when you look at the black community and the impact that abortion is having it is just absolutely heartbreaking and I just want to end it if I could do that I'd be happy then I could go home and be with Jesus <laughs> amen on that you know that 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 fight is and, and shout out to Chaplain Viviana too, man. Shout out to Tim Johnson and Kevin Daniels, North Carolina president, my whole Frederick Douglass team and Aisha out there in New York, president of New York. Shout out to my whole Frederick Douglass Foundation family, my team, my comrades, whatever you want to call it. But these folks are out here working, man. If you guys don't know that there are people out here working for your interest, there are. 
there are people out here working and, and they're making noise and, you know, they're ruffling feathers and, you know, there are people out here, man, trying to do the right, the best thing in in righteousness for all people. And, uh, you know, if you don't know, there, there are people out there. So Frederick Douglass Foundation, uh, look them up, man, tfdf.org or uh, tfdfnc.org. That's the North Carolina page. And uh, we also got a New York one. I'm not sure what the site is right now. Maybe we can get that in a few. Um, Kevin, hit him up, fearforblackrepublican.com. My show, kirpradioshow.com. We're on iTunes, you know, blog talk, whatever. There are people out here working, man, and, and, and people like Catherine, you, Kevin, I commend you guys because I know firsthand what it takes to spend all your time, uh, basically all your time for the best best interests of other people uh, and not be appreciated by it. So, you know, I, I commend you guys, man, and I appreciate you and thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for me and my entire family because without you guys, you know, we would really be lost. There there wouldn't be any hope at all. I was so glad to find Catherine and, and, and that Frederick Douglass Foundation group and family because, you know, for a moment as a young black man out here, I, I felt lost. I'm like, there's no hope. I can't open folks' eyes to the history that I stumbled upon and that I read and know to be the truth versus what I was taught in elementary school or what I was taught in my home, you know, through family who didn't know as well and friends who didn't know as well. You know, I, I thank God for that, man. And, and I think it's a blessing that, you know, we got people out here that are fighting. So, you know, like I said, man, I can't say it enough. I, I, I thank you guys for what you do. And, um, you know, the pro-life fight is, is something that takes a lot out of me. I get downright mad, fighting mad, ready to get it popping, as they say where I'm from, when you start talking about these pro-life issues, because, you know, people want to argue a choice. And that, like I always say, a choice is something that I cannot take away from you. You got the choice to walk out in front of a big freight liner, Mack truck, whatever you call it. Go kill yourself if you want. That's your business. I don't want you to do it. But, hey, guess what? This is your choice to do. I'm not trying to take anybody's choice away. All I'm saying is that look at the statistics. Look at what's really going on. Look around you. Pay attention to the things that are right before you, right before your eyes, and think about the responsibility that people aren't taking upon for themselves. Why are we talking about choice when we are basically being exterminated? Now, today, yeah. by ourselves, if you will. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know how you find a choice argument out of that. You know, when you say clearly, I'm not trying to take your choice away. I'm just saying, can we be more responsible? Can we do the responsible thing? Can you have a human? Can can you can you have enough love in your body to it, to admit that it's wrong, despite whether you did it or not? You know, I, I don't I don't see. I don't like to bash people. I'm not trying to beat people over the head who 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 have had an abortion before. You know, I don't want people to look at it like we're trying to beat you over the head and remind you of the the error that you made in life. All I'm saying is that you pay attention to what's really going on. And 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 you know people really want to debate choice. I don't care to debate choice, you know. See, and, and, that, and that bothers me because for them the the uh, choice is synonymous with taking the life of the baby. If you, as a woman, decide I want to keep the baby, then you're looked down upon. You're looked at with disdain, like something is wrong with you for choosing life. And so it's a misnomer that. Planned Parenthood and others have been successful in embedding in the community to make us think that it's about choice, but it's really not. It's about population control sure and the elite uh, reducing the populations to those that they feel should be allowed to live in. 
quite frankly, that would not be me, Pudgy. It wouldn't be you. It wouldn't be Kevin. That's right. <laughs> None That's of right. us would make the cut. Absolutely right. So, yeah. Well, Kevin. Wonderful I, time with you guys. Thank you so much, Pudgy, for letting me come yeah. on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Catherine. And, and, and as you know, if there's anything we can do for you, you know, hit us on the horn. You got the number, you got the email address. You know how to contact me for sure. And we are at your disposal. Yes, sir. Well, thanks for Kevin, coming on. With you again. Hold on, you can't leave yet. No, I can't leave. Okay. No, no, you can't go. You got to give a shout out before you leave here. <laughs> you got to shout somebody out. We do shout outs on this I show. <laughs> I really want to give a shout out to my all of my pro life uh, warrior friends: Alveda, King, Dean Nelson. Uh, Walter Hoy, Stephen Broden, Ryan Bomberger, Arnold Colbert, especially Arnold Colbert, guys. Go to protectingblacklife.org and just look at that map that Arnold has produced that shows where the Planned Parenthood facilities are. And I want to give an especial shout-out to Kevin's baby. Hug the baby. Thank you Kevin. very much. <laughs> yeah. And now, now we have two of them. <laughs> yes, Uh-oh. I remembered. I said babies. Tell them they're right. black grandmas <laughs> in Georgia sending love. Love. Well, they love meeting you in Atlanta. They did. My daughter still talks about that yeah. every time she sees the movie. Yeah. I remember Catherine Davis. <laughs> and actually, for five, for five thirty seconds, I want to tell you the power Catherine has. I uh, work at the New Jersey State Museum sometimes, and uh, our state house is right down the street, not even like 200 feet. And as I was walking home a few months ago, there was a pro-choice rally out front. And sure enough, they had a woman, African-American, she said she was from Newark, and she starts reading off a litany of charges about this, that, and the other thing. And she goes, and the worst part of it is they got an African-American woman named Catherine Davis trying to convince women to keep their babies. Oh and it was God. just You're This was on State Street, Governor Christie's State House. I kid you not. Wow. You you yeah. are powerful. Wow. Yeah, but I was just I it was just amazing to walk down the street, 880 miles away from you, and to hear this lady so concerned that you're being effective. Wow. Right on. Power to the people. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Catherine. <laughs> Appreciate you coming through, man. I thank you for coming through. And I will be in touch to bring you back on again, and we'll talk about some more of this stuff. Absolutely. God bless, guys. Have a great evening. You too, Catherine. All right, you too. Pleasure. Kevin, I know know my brother. I know know we didn't get to talk enough about the movie. And uh, we will be. Oh, that was awesome. And, uh, you know, this show, man, one thing about it, it, it's, you know, we, we always start out talking about one thing, and sometimes we. We evolve into other topics, and we move on and on and on, and we go on. And, you know, before you know it, we've covered the whole map and, and the whole encyclopedia, a whole encyclopedia full of topics. So, you know, that's just how we go, man. We kind of go with the flow. But I definitely thank you for coming on the show, and uh, I, I definitely thank you for letting me view the, the movie and um, also getting the poster. I appreciate that, too. That'll be framed, and we'll have that up, and I'll get you to sign it one day. But you know, thanks for what you do, man, and your movie. And uh, let the people know out there if you have any future events or anything else that's going on or that we need to be aware of. Sure. Uh, actually, if folks want to see the film now, uh, the DVD, we have it for sale on our website, Fear of a nice. Black 
com, as well as they can stream it on their own computer. We just got that uh, set up last week. Uh, and that's uh, $4.99. You can watch it over a 24-hour period. And we're hoping uh, by end of this week we should be up on iTunes. So they can go to our website, com, and they can also go to actually to Amazon.com, Amazon, to buy the DVD. And I did also want to put out there, because you mentioned VCR users. I'm a VCR user. Don't give up your VCR yet, folks. <laughs> uh, but also, if you have any people, any of the listeners who want to get involved in filmmaking, I always say when I used to run a film festival, there's a great, there's a housewife or someone who's an accountant who has an Oscar-winning screenplay, but they just don't know it yet. Uh, if they have any filmmaking questions, please send them to me, director at fearofablackrepublican.com. I'd be happy to help you out or point you in the right direction. There's a lot of things that we've learned, uh, books that we have used, and we'd like to you know, give that knowledge on to other people to help them. Well, you know, as I told you before, you know, we got these seminars coming up, man, and I'm going to try my best to coordinate with your schedule and try to have you come out and talk to some folks because I, I know a lot of screenwriters and a lot of people who do plays and, you know, they just write and really don't know what to do with it. So I, I think it would be an, an awesome idea to bring uh, yourself and some music executives that I know, you know, bring you guys in and, and we just, you know, have a chat about that and kind of help people along the way, man. And, you know, whatever accommodations we got to do, we'll definitely take care of that. But I'm, I'm so I'm so looking forward to that. And, and next year, that's a big event that we're going to have every year. We're going to try every month, excuse me, we're going to try to have these things. So shout out to my brother Kevin Daniels and Rashad Woods, Love and Father Society, Contessa Woods also with the Travel Beyond. And, uh, you know, man, we're just working, brother. So, you know, Kevin, I'll be reaching out and, don't be afraid to reach out to me, man. I'm all over the country, and, and I've got connections all over the place. So if I can help you in any way, you just let me know, my brother, and I'm definitely willing because what you're doing is, is, is valiant in my book, and it's a valiant effort, and, you know, it's very much needed. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. It's been an honor to be with you, and uh, you're doing a lot of great good yourself. And i just like to have you know folks to know there are a lot of great people out there. Maybe they're not covered by the media like they should, but don't give up hope that there aren't a lot of other folks uh, trying. But thank no you doubt. so much for having us on. This has been a big big one for us. Hey, you're welcome. And before we go, we got like 30 seconds, but I need you to give us a shout-out, if you will. Oh, God, love to get a shout-out. Uh, Kevin Daniels, Earl Phillips in Charlotte, uh, Ada Fisher, I had a chance to meet, uh, Kyle Suggs, a lot of great people. Uh, me and Love out in Utah. Uh, Crystal Wright, conservative, uh, blackchick.com. Somebody yeah. else wants to check out. If you haven't seen, she was on BET uh, last week. Uh, Vivica A. Fox gave her all kinds of heck for what she believes politically. She's someone I'd, I'd really encourage people to take a look at. And uh, just all the family and friends we met down in North Carolina and Catherine Davis and George and her team, Wileen, uh, Cindy, Everybody, just we had a lot of great support, and thank you all so much. There it is, folks. Fear of a Black Republican producer, editor, great gentleman, great man all the way around, Kevin Williams. Man. Round of applause for you, my brother. Definitely appreciate what you do, man. And I hope that uh, I hope that you get a number one movie on a big screen, man. I hope the next thing you do is huge, and it's on the big screen number one. How about that? That would be awesome. And if I do, you're in it. <laughs> No doubt. Appreciate you coming through, brother. Be blessed. Thank you. God bless everybody. Have a good night. All right, you too. God bless you as well. That's it, folks. Thank you for listening to the KRP Radio Show. Sorry I got a whole host of people on the queue that wanted to say something and had comments. 
we kind of got going, and you guys know I run my mouth a little bit too much. Please tune in next week, man. We'll be right back with another wonderful show. You guys look for the topic, KIRPRadioShow.com. We're also on iTunes, 5.6 million listeners, plus, plus, plus. Catch us on Twitter at symbol KRP Radio Show at symbol NC Pudgy. We definitely do it, and you guys are definitely, definitely big in my book. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this show every week and holding us down, man. You guys make us the number one black talk conservative radio show southeastern United States, and I definitely appreciate the love. One love. We catch you guys next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.